All right. You guys having a good summer? Yeah? Summer is kind of a um, fun time. Um, you know, a lot of people going on trips, different things like that, and um, just time to get away, right? Escape. Anybody want to escape? So you just want to get out. You know, the, the great thing is, I was going to say this because Steve was talking about, you know, I'm going to preach a message on the dressing the fallen world, but in light of the risen Savior. And that, I like that song that um, Caroline picked to do for worship. God turns it around. He, he's tur- he, he already turned it around. You know what I mean? He conquered death. Now it, what we need to do is follow the risen Savior. Like he, he's risen above this. Right? He's risen above the draws of earth, of the earthliness of earth, if you want to call it, the worldliness of the world. Um, so let me ask you a question. Do you know how fast you have to go in order to escape earth's pull, earth's gravity? Anybody know? Go ahead, Ron, tell us. 25,000? Wow. That's more than I got. I, I went and looked up in a, a website called AstroCamp. This is a, a website for little kids learning about space travel. And since my brain is like still a little kid, I went and checked it out. And it said this, a rocket needs to speed up to at least 17,800 miles per hour. But I guess 25,000 miles per hour would be better. That's a mighty fast uh, speed, don't you think? Uh, they call it escape velocity. Um, but a rocket does it in, in different ways. It, it has stages. You guys seen like a rocket blasting off like the Saturn, right? It, one stage runs out of fuel and it drops the dead weight. And it continues to go, you know, stage two until finally it drops the last stage. And then by then, hopefully, the capsule, the rocket has escaped Earth's uh, gravitational pull, and you can either get into our orbit or, or shoot off into space. Um, of course, the main question you're, you might be, <laughs> some of you might be asking me yourself now is, why the heck, why is he talking about space travel and how fast it takes to escape the Earth's gravity? But the reason I'm talking about this is because I think following Jesus in this life, in this world, is a lot like trying to escape Earth's gravity. Earth's pull on us, the worldly pull on us. We need to reach kind of an, a spiritual escape velocity. And only Jesus can do that for us. In fact, like I said, he already did that. He already rose above the, the din and the you know, darkness and the, all of the stuff of the world that makes it fall in. And he's, he's the risen Savior. But how, the question is, how do we follow our risen Savior in a fallen world. And I think, did you put up there? <laughs> he didn't put part one. Now, Daniel, Pastor Daniel is teaching me. I, I, I resisted at first. He's right. Like, a lot of times when you cover a topic, you can't just teach one message on it. It's, it's way more involved. So this is just part. But I think it's an important part for us to look at as we look at the world and how fallen it is and how to... How to follow that risen Savior we keep, in, hopefully we keep in our focus. And I believe part of the answer to this uh, question is, comes from the Old Testament passage that I'm going to take us to. So, but first, uh, I'd like to pray for, 
pray with you, okay? And please, please pray for me because um, when you, when you want to speak God's word, there's an enemy that tries to prevent you from doing that. So, Jesus, I know that I can't do this on my own. I can't make an impact uh, in my own life or even in others from your word without the power of the Holy Spirit, without Jesus giving me escape velocity to escape the pull and drag of the, the world, sin and darkness and all that it contains. It's not all bad, Lord, but we know that it's not the risen place that you, you've given us that you are creating for us to go to. And so please help us find our way there. And we know that we already have it if we have faith in you. And so I pray your power, your glory uh, now to shine. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to look at Isaiah 55. We're going to look at verses 6 to 9. So Old Testament, Isaiah, the prophet. I'm going to read out of the English Standard Version. Um, so here you go. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So the first thing I think the passage addresses in how to follow a risen Savior in a fallen world is that we need to address the tension that that creates. When you're trying to hold on to Jesus, right, you're trying to follow the risen Savior, but the world is fallen, or I like to say falling, because it's currently falling. It's not just in a fallen state. It's falling more and more. It's falling quicker and quicker. The Lord has already risen to where he's going to be. But if you have something pulling on you, we're all on earth. It's going to stretch us, right? Well, think about that. I might even be, I'm, I'm just going to make a strong statement, but I might be a little suspicious if you're not feeling the tension of following Jesus right now. I've heard it said, if, if you're not bumping heads with the devil, maybe you're going the same way. You know, it was by an African-American pastor, but, you know, I think the truth of that statement is, is powerful. Like, we live in a fallen world, so if you follow a risen Savior, we're going to face challenges if you're actively following Jesus. So what's the answer? The answer is in verse 6 and 7. Uh, we need to do that. We need to actively follow God. Because if you say you follow Jesus, but, you know, you're just kind of gliding along and going with the flow, right? You're not really following. Jesus is not going with the flow of the world. Is God doing stuff? Oh, yeah, he's doing stuff. He's doing stuff through people who are actively following Jesus. You know that there's been a lot of people praying for the things that are beginning to happen in our country. There's some things happening, and some people are upset about it, even in the church. But you can say what you like about it, but people are praying for the saving of lives and 
the freedom of the people in this country. And it's, it's coming to fruition, those prayers. They're actively pursuing God in these issues. And, and that's what the verse says, right? It says, uh, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Seek the Lord. Not sit around and we're waiting for the Lord. He's going to come and get us. He's going to come and save us. No, he's already saved us. We need to seek after him. Then we need to follow him actively, right? For those of us who accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior before, the Bible says he will never leave us or forsake us. That's in Hebrews 13.5. You can look it up if you want. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. But what happens a lot of times is we ignore him. It's like he's sitting in a car with us, but we never talk to him, right? We never do what he says because we don't even look at his word. We don't look at what the Bible says. Like, go on, you know, let the person on Sunday give us the word. No, we're supposed to seek him ourselves because he's near, the Bible says. This passage says, call upon him while he is near. For those that haven't made the decision, Jesus says he stands at your door, the door to your heart, the door of your life, and knocks, according to Revelation 3.20. So whether you know him or whether you, you don't know him yet, God is there. And all we need to do is actively seek him and call upon him because he's near. He's at the door. He's in your heart. He's not going to leave you. If you go with the flow of the world and you end up in some place where you know that Jesus wouldn't want you to be, guess what? He's there with you. Think about it. I do. It makes me stop a lot of times from what I'm going to do, what I'm going to say, what I'm going to think. The verse 7 says to forsake or leave behind the way of wickedness. Or as I said, we need to, like the rocket, you know, we need to jettison the dead weight. The dead weight of sin. You know, I, I did this demonstration in a church one time. I was speaking to kind of a youth group at a church out in Punaside. And, um, you know, I was about, I was younger back then. Only in my 50s. You know? <laughs> but I was standing up there in front of these young guys, right? This is a, like a youth retreat. And uh, so I tell them, anybody want to challenge me to a race? They had a long aisle in the middle of the church, and you had to run down the aisle and come back, grab something, and come back. And I was like, oh, come on. What? Everybody's scared. They don't like charge, you know, chancing with uncle. And the big bull of a Hawaiian kid stands up. like, okay, uncle. So he stands up, like, smirking at me, and all his friends are laughing. And I'm like, he's going to be, he's going to, be back before uncle reached the other side of the church. So I, 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 I okay, so I get up. <laughs> he gets up next to me, all his muscles, you know, bristling, you know, in front of the girls, right? <laughs> me, the old guy next to him, about five inches shorter than him. I said, ready, set. Oh, wait, wait. First, you got to put this on. I bring some old pants, jeans that I had. Put them on. Just put these on. Oh, wait, wait, and put these boots on. Put the boots on. Put, the, put this jacket on, too. I'll get a helmet for you. You, you know, I don't like you fall and get hurt. We get sued at church. You put this on. And put this, go carry this under your arm. It's just my backpack, but, you know, 
I got to drop him off at the other side. So go take this with you. He's like looking at me like, what? So he put on all this stuff, plus on jacket. <laughs> so he goes, you ready now? Like, yeah. Ready, set. Wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me, um, I, I got to have you carry this too. So he got two arms he got stuff underneath. Ready, set, go. And I go, I run down, I come back. He's like dragging everything over. I'm like, I wanted to illustrate to him a passage in the Bible. In Hebrews 12.1. It says to cast off all the things that are holding us back. Cast off the things of the world. Cast off sin. The transgressions. The things that hold you back from following the Lord. Right? Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So how do we do that? I think a lot of times we focus on getting rid of the unrighteous thoughts. You, know, you get bad thoughts. I cannot think of that. I cannot think of that. But you know when you do that, right? It's like not trying to eat something. I'm not going to McDonald's today. I'm not going. I'm not going to McDonald's. Oh, McDonald's right there. No more lying today. Um, right? Come on. You got to think of the thing to do. Think, think of righteous things. Things, and if you're not reading the Word of God right now, you gotta get in. Go see Ron in his Bible study. Go study for yourself. You know, there's all kinds of resources now. Even just on your phone, you can listen to the Word of God. You can watch sermons. There's so much. Put things in your life instead of trying to avoid things. Pretty soon, your life's going to be so full you can't grab onto the things of the world. Right? And actively do things, do things, good things, to help people, to bless people. One thing I learned about this that I wanted to share, I was talking to Brian about this this morning, and he was giving me a sermon on that. <laughs> I love you, brother. <laughs> but he, he was really powerful. I was just asking him if he had a skill or a talent to do. He's serving the church now. He retired, and now he's just serving you know, the grounds and the maintenance and all that stuff. And he does. He has training as a background you know, his gifting in that area. I would say find something that you do really well. Like, you know, like Jen, she comes up, she sings, she has a great voice, you know, Anella, Caroline. You know, they come up, they share their gift with the church. But you don't have to be on the worship team. You could do anything. Whatever you do well, art, you like to fix stuff, you like to you like God's word, you know, you wanna you like little kids, you wanna help them know Jesus. You know, you, you want to help in the kitchen when we do stuff. You want to help with the, the secondhand sale. You have a talent for selling and for getting things together and helping people. It's all about using whatever God's given you to bless others. I tell you something. I've been doing some jobs that I'm not good at, and it just burns me out because God didn't build me for that. And sometimes, like I said to a freshman class, I was, I was you know, 40-something years old, and one of the students was looking at me like, why are you teaching our class? You're, like, so old. And I said, you know, God used a donkey in the Bible, so he can use me. But he only used the donkey one time. So if you keep doing the thing that you're weak at, you're going to burn yourself out. But there's ways you can actively serve God. And if you're doing that, you know, your hands will be too busy to get in trouble, right? To do things they're not supposed to do. The other thing that I believe we need to do, and again, this comes from 
verse 7, it says, actively, it says, return to the Lord, and he's going to pardon us. You know, one of the things that I believe in and I try to practice is we, we walk in repentance. When we walk after Jesus, we're always walking in repentance. We're humble. We're admitting to God when we make mistakes. We don't try to hold that away from God. Like, no, 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 you know, that guy deserved it, you know. He caught in front of me in that traffic. He almost got us all killed, you know. That's why when you yell at him and said some stuff that I know you don't like me say. Instead of making that excuse, we all make mistakes. We all get into situations, you know. You just say, sorry, Lord, that was wrong. And you say to the guy, brother, I'm sorry. I just kind of, you know, I was just scared, you know. Please don't do that again. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just, you just got to walk in. The founder of the ministry that I served, I've been serving almost 25 years, Campus Crusade for Christ or Crew, he came up with this concept called spiritual breathing. What you do is when you, when, you know, like when you breathe in air and you use up the air, there's carbon dioxide, right? You got to breathe them out, right? So get rid of the bad air. And then, so you confess whatever sin, whatever thing you've done to, you know, would upset the Lord. And then you thank him for forgiving you because according to the Bible, 1 John 1, he forgives us. When we repent of things. And then you ask him to fill you with his spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. So it's like a spiritual breathing, right? Let it out. Bring it in. Right? So what we do in the morning is we take a big breath of air, right? And then you, you don't breathe for the rest of the day, right? You just go. No, that's not called breathing. That's suffocation. Okay. While you breathe is you breathe throughout the whole day even when you're sleeping. So spiritual breathing, I think, is the same way. We have to walk in repentance. We breathe out things that bad thoughts, bad actions, bad words. Not that we want to do those things, but we try. But every once in a while, we fall into, you know, a situation. Like I said, we just confess it to the Lord, admit to him that it's wrong, and then ask for him to fill us with his spirit, not our spirit of anger or, you know, jealousy or whatever it is. Spiritually breathe. Verse 8 gives us one of the reasons why it's so challenging to follow the risen Savior in this fallen world. We don't think like him. We don't, our thoughts are not God's thoughts, right? In my life with the Lord, things don't always happen the way I thought it would go. Because my mind is not thinking like that. Can you relate? You ever... Ask God this question. I've been tempted to ask this sometimes. God, what are you thinking? Right? I don't understand why I pray for somebody over and over 30 years and they resist you, Jesus. I don't know why I pray for someone who fast and pray and the whole church is fasting and pray, praying and they still pass away. They still die. I don't understand, Lord, why little children get cancer. I don't understand why there's so many horrible injustices that I see just on the news, and there's nothing I can do about it. More so, I ask the question, God, why don't you do something about it? 
And all I can say, and this has happened in my life when some tragic things have happened in my life, losing children and things like that, losing friends that have lost their children. I say this, God, you are God, and I am not. You are the creator and giver of life, and you don't owe me an explanation for all that happens in your creation. And so that includes me. That's faith, right? That's trust. Because I still believe, even though God doesn't do everything I ask him to do, he's not, he's not, he's not owing that to us. He's the creator. He's the God, not us. His ways are not our ways. God's ways are higher than our ways. And I don't mean in elevation. <laughs> it's like over my head. Sometimes I don't understand, and I just have to admit it. If I read the Bible, and I study, and I trust God, I understand that I cannot understand everything about God. I don't have it all figured out. But I know the one that has it all figured out. And he's allowed me to know him and know enough about him to keep trusting in him. And that gives me peace. The peace that Philippians 4, 7 says, surpasses all understanding. And, you know, it moves people. I've been through some really hard things in my life. And when I can still act normal and not get all freaked out, people sometimes ask, what's up with you? Then I get to tell them. Because it's the Lord. It's God. If you don't have peace, it's because you're focusing on the wrong thing. We need to have faith in God and believe in him and in this fallen world. And then we'll, we'll follow the risen Savior. Yeah, it's going to be a, a struggle breaking through from this gravity that pulls us. And it's gonna, there's going to be tension but we're following the risen Savior, and he's going to take us to a risen place, a heavenly place. Yeah? Amen? The final thing, verse 9, gives us, again, the picture of why this struggle exists, following our risen Savior in this fallen world, and how to look at a way that brings us a blessing. Verse 9 simply states, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's ways higher than our ways, and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. It is just saying that as the heavens, you know, the sky and the space is higher. It's not saying that heaven is up there. You know when uh, the Soviet Union, what's Russia now, you know, atheist country, right, communist country, when they sent, uh, the, the, they sent the first cosmonaut into space. And when the cosmonaut came back and talked to the, the, the leader of the country, Khrushchev, Khrushchev like, bragged to the news, see, there's no heaven, there's no God. <laughs> he doesn't understand. Heaven is not a higher elevation. It's a higher plane of existence. It's not out in space or on some planet. Right? We know that. But as the heavens, just the physical heavens, are higher than the earth, God's ways 
are above our ways. And that's why we look to heaven. We look to the heavenly place. Our destination as Christ follows, followers is over our heads. It's too high sometimes to wrap our heads around. I think the Bible doesn't explain details about heaven because it'd just be too much for us. Our heads would explode. You know what I'm talking about, right? So I think the focus needs to be on direction instead of perfection. It's where we're heading, not what we're leaving behind. That's what I told one of my good friends because he was going to do something that um, I didn't think was a good idea. He's going to focus on making his life better here and disregard the things of God. And I told him, brother, we got to focus and invest on where we're going and not what we're leaving behind. I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to get in shape and trying to, you know, do the best you can at whatever you do and, you know, develop your talents and, and ambitions and go to school and learn and do all of those things. But we need to do it in light of where we're going. Everything we do, whether you're at work or at school or talking with your neighbor or building your house or fixing your car, we need to do it all as unto the Lord, as Colossians says. In the light of, of our heavenly destination, we need to focus on, on our risen Savior and do the thing the best we can. Because of that, not to invest in the thing, things of the world. We need to press on, even when there's challenges. Press on in the right direction, heavenward, instead of trying to be perfect and getting all messed up and stopped when things don't work out the way we think it should work out. In Philippians 3.13, the Apostle Paul says he presses on in the goal in Christ Jesus. And he was at the end of his life. He had started all the churches that would take this message of the gospel to us. And yet he was still trying to pursue the Lord. He was still heading in that direction. I'm going to share one more story. Close with this. The Australian coat of arms pictures two creatures. Australia has that emblem. The two creatures are the emu, a flightless bird, and a kangaroo. <laughs> the animals chosen be were chosen because they share a characteristic that appealed to Australian citizens. Both the emu and kangaroo can only move forward, not backward. The emu's three-toed foot causes it to fall if it tries to go backwards. And the kangaroo is prevented from moving in reverse by its large tail. Those who truly choose to follow Jesus become like the emu and the kangaroo, moving only forward, never back no matter what the challenges are. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to invite Caroline to come, come back up. We're going to do one more song. Are we going late? I know we are. I was looking at that time, but the time is wrong, right? <laughs> okay. Lord, you know that we can't do this on our own. 
I know I've tried. Just keep moving forward. Don't complain. <laughs> but I know I need to repent because I can't do that, Lord. It's too high for me. But it's not too high for you because you're the risen Savior, Lord. I love you. I pray that for all of us here in, in this building this morning, but also uh, on the Internet, that you would enable us to, to follow you and to learn of you and to see your power working in our lives to help us head in the right direction towards you always that we would press on for the goal in Christ Jesus. In, in your name I pray, amen.